the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha. Homage to the Dharma. Homage to the Sangha. Today we're going to talk about vigilant introspection. In other words, watch what your mind is doing, as Bodhidharma says. Look at what your mind is doing, because it's a major help, of course. It's a fundamental thing in our practice. Shantideva says, Those who wish to keep the trainings must with perfect self-possession guard their minds. Without this guard upon the mind, the trainings cannot be preserved. Well, I don't think any of us has perfect self-possession, complete mindfulness, but we do our best. Trying to be perfect out of fear isn't very helpful. Although Shantideva often uses fear of hell to inspire us to train ourselves. And as we've said before, this may not be the best course for us here in the West. Many of us have been raised with fear of hell and eternal damnation and so on. But Shantideva's teaching is not to be dismissed because of that. It's extremely helpful. And this chapter is filled with good advice for training. If with mindfulness rope the elephant of mind is tethered all around, our fears will come to nothing. Every virtue drop into our hands. We don't need to be afraid of the consequences of our actions if we're practicing mindfulness. We're not going to do something stupid with any luck. And we'll naturally practice virtue. Because when you have that little moment of mindfulness, of restraint, ah, what am I about to do here? Is this a good thing to do? It keeps us out of all kinds of trouble. And we naturally do what's good. Because we have that instinct to do what's good. Well... Sometimes fearsome things may threaten us, and Shantideva talks about tigers, lions, elephants, and bears, and snakes, and so on, ghosts, and ghouls, and torturers. And he says, By simple binding of this mind alone, all these things are likewise bound. By simple taming of this mind alone, all these things are likewise tamed. It's the mind. For all anxiety and fear and pain and boundless quantity, their source and wellspring is the mind itself, as he who spoke the truth, the Buddha, declared. It's the mind as a source of all our fears, all our suffering, including the suffering of the hells. Although he goes on about hells, he does say, actually, the hells are in our own mind. They're just the offspring of the sinful mind, the mind that creates suffering. They have no reality. It's all a matter of the mind. There is no greater bane than mind itself, he says. And conversely, it's the mind that liberates us from our suffering. In this whole text, the way of the Bodhisattva, all the six parameters 
are explained. But he doesn't put it quite that way. He doesn't say paramitas, but they're there. The six perfections of a bodhisattva, giving, ethical conduct, patience, diligence, meditative concentration, and wisdom. And each of the last four has a chapter to itself. Because this is the way of the bodhisattva, practicing the paramitas. Or giving, Shantideva has spoken about making offerings already. But now he talks about transcendent giving, as practiced by the Buddhas, which is the intention, the wish, to give to every being everything one owns, rather than, rather than having the material things to actually give them, having that wish to give to beings. He says, it is indeed a matter of the mind itself, more than having stuff to give to beings. Generosity of mind. I feel this includes more than just wanting to give things. It's also thinking kindly of others. Letting go of our mean or grudging thoughts, our critical little thingies. You know. Gratitude for their presence in our lives rather than the critical thoughts. Generosity of mind. Thinking the best of others. Looking on the bright side. Seeing the, the good in something that somebody does or just giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know. Transcendent discipline, i.e. ethical conduct, precepts. This is the second of the paramitas. Shantideva says, Transcendent discipline is deciding to refrain from every harmful act, deciding to not hurt anybody. You know. And he says there are harmful beings everywhere, and you can't prevent them all from doing harm. You can't stop. You know, he says, I like this. Where could beings, fishes and the rest, be placed to keep them safe from being killed? Well, you can't. You can't stop beings being killed. But deciding to refrain from every harmful act is said to be a transcendent discipline. That's what we try to do. Refrain from harmful acts. He says there are harmful beings everywhere, like space itself. And you can't prevent them all from doing harm. But he says, But let this angry mind alone be overthrown. And it's as though all foes had been subdued. It's hard to stay angry with somebody who doesn't get angry in return. You really have to work at it, remaining cross and angry. And some people do. So if we don't get angry when somebody is upset with us. It's as though all foes had been subdued. We are not responding with anger. And if we can let go of any feelings of anger in response, that really helps them as well as us. Because it's hard to remain angry with somebody who just responds with kindness. Which is not always easy to do, as we know. Shantideva gives a famous analogy here. We can't cover the whole world with leather. But we can have leather soles on our shoes. Meaning... We can't prevent all the harm and suffering in the world. But we can do something about ourselves and not add to the suffering. And it also can, this helps a bit. Helps other people not to create suffering if if we're not creating suffering. And this is transcendent discipline. Keeping to the precepts. And he says... And thus, the outer course of things 
I myself cannot restrain. But let me just restrain my mind, and what is left to be restrained, just restraining our mind. We can't fix the world, it would be nice if we could, so we just have to accept things as they are and do what we can for the good. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Acceptance doesn't mean we don't do anything. It's a matter of our attitude of mind. Righteous indignation, righteous anger is still anger, you know. And maybe instead we can try to find compassion for beings who do harm. And Chantideva will have more to say about all this tomorrow. It's all a matter of the mind and what we do with it. And he says, therefore I will take in hand and will protect this mind of mine. What use to me are many disciplines if I can't guard and discipline my mind? If I can't let go of anger and hatred and so on. And he mentions purity of intention, which is more important than our actual acts of body and of speech. What he means, I think, is if we deliberately intend to harm a being, it's much worse than if we do it by accident. You know, as we know, if we tread on an insect by mistake, what's is a pity, we say really sorry. And we need to take more care. But it's not like deliberately stamping on the little beast. It's just, it's a wholly different thing, as we know. And still this karma, you know, if you really harm somebody out of, by accident or something, there's still karma from that. They're still hurt. Now Shantideva <clears throat> brings in the introspection Vigilant introspection. He's talked about being vigilant. Now he's talking about introspection, which is more than simple mindfulness. It's watching what our mind is getting up to. He says, where is now my mind engaged? What am I thinking about? What am I doing with my mind right now? What am I turning to? He says, if at the outset, when I check my mind, I find that it is tainted with some fault. I shall be still and self-possessed, unmoving like a piece of wood. We don't have to try to stamp out our thoughts of mind, our angry or greedy impulses. We just need to sit still with them and not act on them. That's the thing, to sit still with them. It's not a fault that an angry impulse arises. It's only when we act on it that it becomes a problem. When the urge arises in your mind to feelings of desire or angry hate, do not act, be silent, do not speak, and like a log of wood, be sure to stay. Sit still, sit still. Don't give in to it. He has all all these things that can happen and that can come through our mind. Most of them we will recognize. And when your mind is wild or filled with mockery, or filled with pride and haughty arrogance, or when you would expose another's secret guilt to bring up old dissensions, or to act deceitfully, or when you want to fish for praise, or criticize and spoil another's name, 
or use harsh language sparring for a fight. It's then that, like a log, you should remain. And when you yearn for wealth, attention, fame, a circle of retainers serving you, and when you look for honors, recognition, it's then that, like a log, you should remain. And when you are inclined to overlook another's need and want to get the best thing for yourself, and when you feel the urge to speak, it's then that, like a log, you should remain. Impatience, indolence, faint-heartedness, and likewise arrogance and careless speech, attachment to your side, when these arise, it's then that, like a log, you should remain. Wonderful advice. All these little things. Oh, yes, I recognize that one. Some of the advice in this chapter is about monastic deportment, how a monk should behave when out in public, not being alone with a person of the opposite gender, not getting distracted and behaving idly or foolishly and so on. And some of these are Vinaya rules, so we don't follow them too literally. But we try to keep the precept of mind, Ajahn Man, the great Thai forest master, with a real stickler for the Vinaya, or 250 rules because he was a Vinaya male monk. And he said, I keep one precept. I keep the precept of mind. Watching what our mind is doing. Because when you do that, all the other precepts are kept naturally. That's our great protection, whether we're monks, lay trainees, whoever. Keeping that precept of mind. I think that's very helpful. Now Shantideva moves on to new ground. As we do our best to keep to the precepts and act only for the good, he says, let us always bear in mind the thought that we are selfless, like an apparition. There is no real enduring self to be found. And so why, O mind, do you protect this body, taking it to be your own? There's no self to be found in it, no matter how you mentally divide it up and search through it. This is classical Buddhist teaching from the Buddha himself. Where can you find a self in this body? Look through all the different parts. You remember Dr. Saratissa, when Reverend Master Ji was a young laywoman, just learning Buddhism. Dr. Saratissa was a, I think it was, may have been Selenese, um, a Theravada monk who taught her. And he had this little skeleton, a little plastic skeleton with all little bones and everything. He says, where can you find a self in this? Pick up an arm bone. Is it here? No. A leg bone. Is it here? No. The skull. Is it here? No. You cannot find a self in this body. Classical teaching. So, I always like that story. Think of Reverend Master as a young woman with his old monk and his little skeleton. Shantideva goes on. If persisting in the search for the self, you see no underlying essence, why do you protect with such desire, such attachment, this body that you now possess? It's the attachment to the body is the problem. There is a body. There seems to be a body that seems to be attached somewhat to us. 
But why do we protect it with such attachment, such desire, this body? Because actually, it's not that much use in some ways. You know, is it any good to us? You know, when you die, it's going to be food for the animals and birds. You know, and he says, the value of this human form lies only in the use you make of it. That's the thing. What are we doing with our body and with our life? Are we using them for the good? That's the question. We can use our body to do immense harm, and we can use it to do great good. Regard your body as a vessel, a simple boat for going here and there. Make of it a thing. Make of it a thing that answers every wish to bring about the benefit of beings. To bring about the benefit of beings. That's what it's for. Use your body and your mind to help beings. So there's a whole lot of advice that Shantideva gives. Much of it intended for monks, as I said, but many of them we can all find helpful. Don't eat too much. Don't be distracted. Don't you know, wander about. We won't go through them all because it's a fairly long chapter, but it's well worth reading and taking to heart. How can, this apply, how can I apply this to my own life, my own situation, whoever we may be? And then towards the end, he kind of, he says, directly then, or indirectly, do nothing that is not for others' sake. And solely for their welfare, dedicate your every action to, gain, to the gaining of enlightenment. That's the purpose of all of this, to help other beings and to bring about our own enlightenment for their benefit. That's what bodhisattvas do, directly or indirectly. We're not just directly helping beings. We also take care of ourselves as well, so we can be of more help to others and not just exhaust ourselves and become grumpy or resentful. Easy to do. Oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I'm actually becoming a pain in the sangha because we're not taking care of ourselves. Don't want to do that. And it comes to the end, to the end. Examining again and yet again the state and actions of your body and your mind. This alone defines in brief the maintenance of watchful introspection. Vigilant introspection, as this chapter is called. But all this must be acted out in truth. For what is to be gained by mouthing syllables? What invalid was ever helped by merely reading in the doctor's treatises? It all sounds good, but as always, we have to put it into practice. It's all about practice. And so often, the Dharma is spoken of as medicine, the medicine for our suffering. The last chapter, he did the same thing. Don't just listen to, you know, it does you no good if you just hear the doctor speaking and you don't take his advice, you don't take his medicine. Do the practice, take the medicine. And that's his advice again for today. Practice, practice. And again, put it into practice. Homage to all the Buddhas in all worlds. Homage to all the Bodhisattvas in all worlds. Homage to the scripture of great wisdom. <laughs> 